Today's episode is sponsored by Bernie Bot's Every Flavored Beans, and we mean every flavor. Use our uh, code POTTERWATCH to get 10% off Bernie Bot's Every Flavored Beans. Chapter 5, Fallen Warrior. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum. Welcome to another episode. I'm Alex. I'm Molly. And this is is Potter Potter Watch. Watch. Um, This was a bit of a downer, this chapter, The Fallen Warrior. Chapter five, was it? Yeah, chapter five. I have a lot to say about this chapter. Same. I have so many notes. I... I just, I actually had a preface note, which we can do our rename and stuff, but I was like, I found this to be a very profound chapter Mm -hmm. and really surprised me by how much it affected me. Like I knew obviously like Mad-Eye and Hedwig and stuff, but like it affected me so much reading it today. And it might just be like, you know, where we're at today, you know, in day, you know, 350 of the pandemic, but (laughs) I I just really, I mean, obviously it sounds like we're going to get into it, but I don't know if that's how you felt too, but it just. No, I felt the exact same way. Like I was like, "Mm, something about this hits different (laughs) or like it, or it hit different this time, or like maybe it always hits this way and I flock it out, but it was I think there are some really good pros in there too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I This is also just some background of like also where I was coming from. I was on this panel thing for work last night and it was this panelist and they were talking about like, it's a divided land and like, what are we going to do about it? Like that was kind of like the premise or whatever, which is kind of mm-hmm. corny, but it's very true. Um, and it was like this whole inter, it was like an intergenerational discussion on this topic. I mean, the two panelists were adults, but like students and youth pretty much ran the whole thing. There was actually a couple of students from Blake on there. Um, and it was just really, I, at the time I was like, you know, I was there for work and I was supposed to like facilitating a breakout room or something. Um, and it was kind of just a giant echo chamber, but something about it stuck with me a lot when mm-hmm. I was reading this chapter and this whole idea of intergenerational stuff um, that I'm really excited to talk about, I guess. So oh I my goodness. I am so excited for this convo. We have much to discuss. But before we can discuss anything, we got to know what to call it. What happened? I don't know. What happened? What did happen? What did? Most of my notes are really heavy. So my rename, I had to keep it light and I had to think of Forge. Oh, dear. (laughs) I said, eerie night. Get it? Holy. (laughs) No, I do get it. That's awesome. (laughs) It was the best pun I could think of. And I wasn't happy with the title, but I was happy with the pun. Very happy with the pun. (laughs) In the whole world of ear-related humor, you go for eerie night. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, I said a hero's death and a coward's flight. Yeah. We know who the coward is. Yeah, we do. 
Wow. Did you just say, <clears throat> was that Mendungus or was something? <laughs> Is there some <laughs> <dunno Earth. laughs> Ew. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't be, don't be, don't be. <laughs> Do you want to give us a little hikey, hikey, uh, haiku? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to do that one again. Nope. No, no need to continue that. Um. <clears throat> Long- <laughs> it's my haiku is here. I'm laughing. Long waited returns. Warriors fallen, broken, burned. Hard lessons to learn. Oh my God. I was not ready. I had to slap myself to get my shit together. Oh my gosh. I'm shook. That was so good. That middle line, though, that fucks you up, man. Say that again. It might have been eight, depending on how you say some of those words. (laughs) I kind of said burned as one syllable. Burned as one syllable. Okay, then I think it works. Yeah, Um, it works. (laughs) Mine is, there is doubt in the air, as an ear and dear friend are no longer there. Oh, great. I like I that had, you both incorporated the ear. The ear. It, it was, it's necessary. It's what I remember not most about this chapter, obviously. But a lot. But, but a lot. <laughs> I mean, we really needed it. I mean, it's sad or whatever, I guess. It's not even that sad. It's just we needed that um, levity, I guess. I feel... I'll I'll talk about this. Yeah. I'll talk about this when we get to it. But I have some feelings about what she does in this chapter. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually have a note about that, so I'm glad you do. Because I, I, but I do have, obviously I have notes on the ear thing, but. Yeah. Um, Great. Well, now that we've done a lot of um, postulating and prefacing. (laughs) Truly, we're like little teases we start with ted ted tonks ted mosby Mm, no (laughs) sorry ted tonks that was an insult to you (laughs) your my note was literally like i get why they cut this from the movie but i'm so glad we get to meet ted in this way in the book too also ted like fixes harry up like that's a lot of broken shit harry he lost a tooth <laughs> he regrew it back it's jenny so weird jenny's pleased that <laughs> ted was there to save the day she was <laughs> i also forgot to write any notes about their tension because I just, it was like with me. Their what? Like their tension during this whole chapter between Harry and Oh, Harry. yeah. I just didn't have any notes about it. So I'm just saying, I'm just plugging that in now. <laughs> just <laughs> putting it in there. <laughs> I hope you did because some of these things I like, I was so immersed in the chapter. I was like forgetting to like 
write notes about specific things. Right. Like my notes are all over the place. So Mine are a lot of feeling things. <laughs> yeah. we'll, uh, we'll talk, we'll talk about what we have. And but I just read my next note and it's very niche. Did not need to happen, but <laughs> I wrote about it. I'm ready. It's um huge disadvantage for wizards is communication. But then again, you could say that about Muggle World bugging. <laughs> my whole note. Basically, yeah. this whole like they're all in these separate places and they have no like firm way of letting each other know that they're like okay because they need a cell phone, a spell phone. But then I was thinking our phones are constantly being tracked. We've got our NSA agents, we've got our FBI agents listening, like you know? I feel like they would be better at it. Like they'd have encrypted emails and yeah. Stuff. But they also have this whole Patronus thing, which she uses like whenever she feels like it. And I think that this would be a moment where you would send a Patronus to say, Right, but I think they, team they A is safe. <laughs> you don't want to like draw attention. So it like, it, or if you're in the middle of doing a battle, you can't like. Yeah, but if you Patronus. at least send it to like the safe houses, I guess, like. Right now, I feel like Ted or Andromeda should be sending a message. Oh, I see. Yeah, I thought they can be vague. I thought you meant like Bill or um, Lupin. Like they're a little busy. That I think. Yeah, like Tonks and Ron should have done that when they got to Muriel's because Mm -hmm. that was like they were. Yeah, I feel like that should have been like common practice. You're totally right. Now I see what you're saying. Um, so I just feel like they, there was so much anxiety in this chapter that I was definitely feeling and it was, could have been resolved a little bit better. so much anxiety, especially our boy Loops is, I have so many, he's he's something else right now and he'll, and he'll continue to be something else for the rest of this book. (laughs) Like this boy needs to check himself. (laughs) Um, so many, I said. Um, poor Harry is so traumatized like thinking about like Hagrid and like he's traumatized by Hedwig dying and then he's like I have to make sure Hagrid's okay where's Hagrid like he just keeps repeating it and my and little then, like Bellatrix's twin, pops twin up. I, he's just <laughs> he's really stressed he's <laughs> stressed is like an understatement I don't know why I said it like that yeah, he's no, I mean, there's he's you can only like put it in terms like that because it's like unfathomable. That's a word. <laughs> unfathomable. That word. Um, <laughs> what he's like, what they're all going through, honestly. Yeah. It, but Harry's sensitive. He's a sweet boy. I have that note 17. so much. So much notes about Harry being a sweet boy. Um. I love Ted's reaction, though, to the wife. He's like, oh, and um, that's my wife. That's my wife? My Jim, wife? <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Jim gives him such, like, an authoritative voice. Like, <laughs> Ted. <laughs> so much character in that one, in that, that voice of his. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what it was about it, but I was like, well, okay. Um, I think you'll easily go down this journey with me, but. Uh, I'm ready. We could just map out an entire spinoff movie 
with Andromeda at the forefront. Like, I think we've talked about this, like, in essence before, but, like, reading this part, I was like, we literally get three sentences at most about Andromeda, and it's so juicy. Like It's so juicy. From her growing up, like, and getting to where she is, and, like, she is such a fun and... Like, I'm, I'm just, there's so much there. Like, her personality as, like, a Slytherin in this, like, very, like, hero-centric she, world. And, like, Ta- or Ted being her husband, like... Marrying a Hufflepuff muggle-born? You like, have to assume is, like, really funny and good-natured, kind of like a Fred or George type. You, I want the whole tea. I'm just so curious. And I know, I know you are, too, so I'm not, like, saying anything new here. But, like, imagine getting a prequel from Andromeda's perspective because she's like a good age where you're getting like the older group but then you have you have Tonks so you're getting like a younger group like it would be such a good way to like per- oh like, I'm in it uh, I I want that era and it's like they don't tell you before you watch it they you know they don't tell you what the prequel is going to be about all they do for the teasers is just let you know that it's a Harry Potter prequel and then you just go in and the first shot you see are the three black sisters playing as kids. Yes. Chills. Yes. Yeah. Cause then you, you get all of that, which is what that, that's a human interest story right there. Like, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, th- that's the era of, I'm about to be in a D and D campaign. Uh, right. Shout out to my friend, Brielle, whose brother is running the campaign. But, Jack, uh, I'm sure you're listening. Jack, <laughs> Jack is not listening to our podcast. Jack, you should listen to help you with some of your stuff for the campaign. But um, but it's about to be in that era, and I can't wait. I can tell you guys, I guess, because I don't think Brielle listens either, so it won't be a spoiler. But my character is a Lestrange, so I'm in that world. It's very fun. Oh, but so you're on the Lestrange side. You're not on the black side. No, I'm uh, I'm on the Lestrange side of the family. And um, I'm a pure blood. Extent. But you're not like a specific character, like Zoe Kravitz character or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 no. I am just on the Lestrange line. Although I think I am going to end up being a black because we don't know who my father is. And I'm a metamorph magus. I mean, I guess I'll find out when I start doing the campaign. Jack will decide. But I think yeah. the reveal is going to be that, oh, I'm, that's fun. that I'm a black. Vegas? Huh? Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. I'm excited. But yeah, I just said excited. it's just in for the listeners because I think we'll keep this in. It's like from the 60s, right? Like that's the Yeah. <clears throat> it's the 60s. So like Rudolphus. A lot of death eaters. And Narcissa, I mean, and Lucius will have yeah. will be in school at the same time or overlap with us in some way. Yeah, that's really fun. Where were we? Uh, I'm still at... Oh, I just got to the borough. So I don't know if you had more stuff with the, the Tonkses. Oh my God. Well, I just think... Um, them okay so this is the beginning 
of my, what I was hinting at earlier with some of the stuff that she who must not be named is doing with this chapter. Okay. Yes. Those hints. Okay. She's foreshadowing so much in a painful way. About Tonks. About Tonks and about like Forge. It just like, it hurts my soul when uh, they say, um, Tonks is all right. She knows her stuff. Um, sh- she's an aura. Like she, uh, it just breaks. Yeah. It just breaks my heart. Been in like, t- tough spots before, right? And then it starts out with what happened to my daughter. Like, excuse me. That's the line that brought me to the prequel because, to me, that was like such a. Slytherin if you were to boil it down which obviously has so much nuance but like if you were to boil it down like that is such a Slytherin mom right there like what happened to my daughter and Ted is like she's in this for the order like they have such different perspectives but I I just wanted more of Andromeda because I I also know that she has her own like beliefs and stuff so yeah and she okay. clearly like, loves Ted, who probably thinks so differently than her. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I love it. Me too. I want I want their love story. I want to know. an how- inner house romance. You're in an inner house romance. <laughs> yeah, but like very compatible houses. Like a Hufflepuff and a Slytherin are probably, like to me, they feel like the, the most incompatible on the surface. That's not what we said in our um, our Valentine's Day special two years ago. Because they're yeah, both... I don't remember any. <laughs> they're both loyalty houses. So it makes sense. But uh, on the other hand, yes, we have said many times. We said, I think, that it could be... It might get hurt, the little puff. Like, not that it's, like, combative, but, like, that there there's just not a lot of common ground even like with the whole loyalty thing I think the way they perceive it is so different no you're you're right you're right um like I could see a Gryffindor and a Slytherin much more than I could a Hufflepuff and a Slytherin it's vol I think it's more volatile and a Hufflepuff and a Gryffindor I feel the same way it would be that that's like a like an interesting pairing yeah for the same for a similar reason Mm mm-hmm no, I was kidding. I know that. I think Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff definitely are compatible houses. And I think I think of Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw as more passive, mm-hmm. and Gryffindor and Slytherin are more active. And I can't really explain that, but that's just kind of how I think about them. I actually think the most incompatible house is like a Ravenclaw and a Gryffindor is, I think, what I look at as being the most like, like logic versus feeling yeah in inter- and in inter- just in terms but like romantically not in like a a partnership or a or like a a working relationship I think they offer really good sides of yeah. of something to build on for like uh collaborating that's the word I'm looking for like they could collaborate but they couldn't like be married necessarily yeah that's how I feel about a Gryffindor if you're a Gryffindor and Ravenclaw 
pairing. Let me know how it works. How y'all doing? Yeah, I think I do think that's what we ended up on. Probably yeah. on that Valentine. That sounds familiar. That Valentine's Day episode, but um, but yeah, I still think of yeah, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff as somehow more passive. But that's also how it's like in the books, like. <laughs> Like Gryffindors and Slytherins are more active players, literally, in the series. So when you play the Game of Thrones, what happens? You either uh, I couldn't remember the rest of the quote. It's you oh yes, you either win or you die. <laughs> I like this accent. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know who I was trying to be. a little Russian me. I don't know who I was trying to be. I don't sound I, like anyone from Game of Thrones. I tried and failed so hard last night to do an Australian accent because we were watching um we were watching the Australian Open and Serena lost in the oh. finals and that was rough. But I like I like her competitor, Osaka, for any tennis fans out there. But um it was in Melbourne. And when I see the word Melbourne, Melbourne. yeah, in my head I can say it in an Australian accent, but I tried to do it out loud. No, not it was good. so embarrassing. Luckily, it was just Griffin and barely, he was like barely paying attention to what was happening. And I was just like out loud trying to say Melbourne over and over. Could, could we get some, some for the podcast, please? I don't know. Come no. On. Come on. It was that bad. Alex. All right. Well, then you have to cut that part out because you can't tease us like Okay. This. Okay. I'll do it. But this, okay. this no, it's really embarrassing. I'm ready. Melbourne. <laughs> oh God, I might cut it out. No, anyway, it's so bad. It's so just, funny. In my head, though, I can hear it. I can hear somebody with an Australian accent saying it. And I'm like, I can just do that out loud. This is what happens when I try and do an Australian accent out loud. It's bad. I'm listening. I... <laughs> Madeline, <laughs> you can't do it. You can't put the um, two big little eyes. Yeah, Madeline, virginity uh, like on the internet. Oh, that's good. But Melbourne is like a good entry word. I feel like mm-hmm. it, it is Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to do it like short like that, but I just couldn't do it. <laughs> just in- incapable of doing it. But it's a- Australian is a hard accent. Yeah. For me, I've been watching an Australian YouTuber. Sometimes after I watch her videos for a long time, I can do like two words. <laughs> yeah, I I can like My. mimic some New Zealand letter uh, words, but I have to hear it like first. Like I can't yeah. come up with it. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. It's hard. So anyway, all right. This has been accent talk. <laughs> Everyone's favorite portion. Everyone's favorite segment of Potter Watch when we try and do accents. Um, I just want to give Harry a big old hug. That's what my note said. With the Hedwig stuff. Yes. And tears in his eyes. He's so sad. I'm just really happy that Hagrid's there to be like, we need something to drink. (laughs) Where's the fire whiskey? (laughs) They don't bring it out soon enough, truly. 
medicinal purposes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah medicinal. <laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, she did not know what happened to her son, re Mrs. Weasley. Why so much foreshadowing? What? When Mrs. Weasley is all upset about Forge and mm-hmm. she's like, I didn't know she did it's like she didn't know what happened to her son. And it was another moment where I was like, all right, JK Rowling, laying it on thick. I I feel like obviously in hindsight thinking that, but when I was reading it, it almost was like, and I think this is maybe what you're gonna get to with the ear. But like, oh, they're safe because this ear thing happened. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, the top one did feel like, oh, this is a little bit foreshadowing. This moment feels like that. And then with the ear, you like, you don't even think of it as foreshadowing because... You're like, oh, they had a bad thing happen already. All right. That was our like little teaser and it didn't come true, so now they're fine. Like Bill or Arthur, like there's been all these close calls, or even Ron, I guess, with the poison, but not really. Um, Oh my god. So like this ear thing really did feel like, oh, that was like, they lost something. Yeah. And that's it, checkbox, moving on to the next group, like Mad-Eye died, okay, we had like sad but I can live with that. Like, if that's it. (laughs) It's awful. Like, I I feel like Mad-Eye's death is the most I'm okay with because he's such a warrior. Like, there's no other way for Mad-Eye to die other than in battle like he did. And like- No, I agree. Like, my chapter title- you know, a hero's death. Like this yeah. was the, you know, best way to go for Mad-Eye. And honestly, in terms of characters that we know, like Mad-Eye's death I, for me is more sad because of Harry's reaction. And it and like everybody. signifies, yeah, like the start of this terrible time. But we don't know Mad-Eye that well. Right. We know him as like a, literally a character, sure. Yeah, we know we we know Barty Crouch Jr. <laughs> yeah, but even like these stories we know of yeah. him, or even like the flashbacks, it's like we know who he is as a person, but we don't right. know him. I guess. Yeah. We and he's like older, like man. he's lived a good life. Yes, I agree. Well, not necessarily good. Like he's lived a hard life, but like the yeah, the, the man doesn't have an eye. Or <laughs> <Well>, a leg. <laughs> he only drinks a little bit at a time from a flask. <laughs> this man has pause, lived a life. <laughs> he is dehydrated. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Okay. Do you think it'd be worth losing an eye to have a magical eye like that? No. Eye stuff really freaks me out. So I'm upset with myself that I even brought that up. So, <laughs> moving on. Moveon.com. Move I don't want to even think about that. 
And that's um, the first Lupin note. Um. Uh. Yes. Me too. So you go ahead. Um. I my note for this part because this is when Lupin like grabs Harry and is like. What was the creature in my office? Great question, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) But I was like, I really like that we get this kind of like unlikable Lupin. Like, I think it's important that we see this, I guess, as a reader. I don't think he's unlikable. I just think he's like grumpy times 10. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I would say like a little unlikable. Like he's not being friendly. Like Like for me, he's unlikable later. Like here, I'm not even like you're unlikable yet. Right. I'm not mad at him here. Right. I think it's like smart that he's being cautious. When he starts sassing Harry, I was like, leave my boy <laughs> alone that's what I mean like I mean this whole chapter I'm not mad that he's acting like this I guess yeah like, part of me that's like I think it's really good for us to see him or anyone be like this I guess mm-hmm. no I agree and then we don't know we don't know Lupin without Sirius yet you know and I know this happened like a year ago, but I think we said a lot about how um, we talked a lot about how Lupin like calmed down Sirius and stuff like that. But I also think there's a part of it where like, you know, Sirius brought out the fun in Lupin or the joy there. And I hope Tonks does that too, but it just, this is a, a rough time and I, he and he stays this way for the rest of the book so yeah. it just I don't even think it I don't think it has anything to do with Sirius like I think that Lupin has been like this probably since the first war like essentially since James was betrayed and James died not like necessarily it was about James but I think that was so pivotal to him as like being part of that friendship that like defined his whole life mm-hmm. and I don't think well, it was about any one of them in particular but well, I think- that that's what I'm saying is that like when he had serious back or even when he was teaching like he had he had gotten over it he had healed to some extent and then serious dying and being thrown back into this war again he's reverted back to this where he has nothing <laughs> except yeah. for now he he has tongues I don't want to demean I don't want to take away from the fact that he has tongues and I'm sure she brings but that's him all hand. he that's of. all he has and he got his life he got a little bit of the marauders back and then he lost it again and he's back at a and he's back in a place where he has to question the people that he loves and their yeah. loves and their trust which I'm sure was a terrible 12 years for him yeah I guess I just think that we saw some of this in the third book even and in the fifth one like we saw pieces of Lupin come out that were like I've seen some shit and like I'm not I'm not the nice guy like kind of thing like I feel like we even saw that 
as early as the third one when he was first introduced like I think we saw some of that gruffness like I guess I guess I I mean maybe I may I could be misremembering it I guess I just I always remember him feeling very reined in and cool tempered and this does not feel like that to me nothing him in this book at all doesn't feel like that I oh I think this is very dramatic difference but I do think like we like kind of like glimpses of the wolf I guess like where he shuts out Harry um early on in the third one like something hits a nerve for him Mm. kind of like shuts down or like when he thinks that Sirius is back and he still doesn't trust Sirius like I think we see that like I don't know if it's anger or just like that like feelings coming up for him and then and in the fifth one obviously like there's so much with him being like back like what you're saying like pulled back into this battle Mm -hmm. and then obviously in the last book too like he's like Sirius has gone but also like he's like living with the werewolves again like he's just yeah I don't know. I feel like there there are times where we see this, but now it's like this is who he is. This is this like is we're like, we yeah. don't have a reprieve from yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think what you're yeah. saying, is right, like he no longer has those reprieves other than Tonks, but Tonks is like a partner in battle with him because she's also an auror, like right. That's their relationship. Um, but yeah, this sass queen right now with his like. And Harry's like, look, I didn't want to kill someone. And Lupin's like, well, buck up, buddy. <laughs> Stop using disarming spells, you idiot. And Harry's like, I don't kill. That's what Voldemort does. And Lupin's like, you know what Voldemort also doesn't do? Die. And you're about to. <laughs> this was like one of my notes about this intergenerational thing, though. Like this tangle between Lupin and Harry, like highlights for me, like, Lupin has been like fighting this war now twice and along with like Kingsley and Moody and even like Bill at this point feels like he's part of that and like Arthur and Molly like they're of this like we've seen it and we're hardened by it and like Harry and like his age group I guess is like coming up and like they're bringing this like freshness that you need in a war like yeah. I don't know that's where part of that was coming up for me was like this intergenerational it's so powerful I think mm-hmm. to see this battle I guess between what Lupin represents and what Harry represents definitely and I think it they show it again and I got kind of frustrated with the older generation because they're all like Kingsley and um and uh, Lupin when Hermione says um like oh you're so silly um, like of course there's been a break yeah yeah of course there's been a break in an Azkaban like da 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 and I got kind of annoyed because at the beginning they were like oh we can't tell you information that's need to know like order business only and then they like make fun of her for not having all that information but that's I feel like that was another moment of like the old the old club and the new the 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 new club going in and then you have that moment between Kingsley and Lupin where um they said the what was the last thing Albus Dumbledore said to the pair of us yeah um and which I mean you're so right like that moment is so that's such a lesson 
that everyone has to learn. Like, I feel like I'm not even old. We're not old. Right. But I feel like I'm learning that lesson right now. From people younger than us. From people yeah. younger than us. I'm I'm watching them fight these these battles and take a stand um, for things that millennials um, let pass by. And I'm, and for some, for a lot of it, I have to like give my props where they're due and be like, you know what? Like they are our future, like good for them. Yeah, I, I totally. And I, I think Harry's line of like, I won't blast people out of the way just because they're there. That's Voldemort's job. Like the idea that I'm not going to do what they do is like naive, but like, you need that. Like you need to hear that from a person saying like, I'm not going to stoop to their level. I'm going to be better than that. Like I'm going to be better than the other side or whatever. And I do think like there's value in what Lupin and Kingsley and they're saying, it's like, no, we have to fight with what, like we have to meet them, you know, with whatever, but like having those two sides, I think is so important. Like, right. You need both sides of that coin yeah. to be effective because you get too much of one thing. It doesn't work. Right. Um, for sure. I, I mean, this might be going one step too far, but it's like, I think us as, and I'll definitely speak for myself, like as millennials, like we would have maybe let JK Rowling's uh, ignorance and hatred go by. And it took, I think in some ways, younger people to be like, this is not okay. We're not like this. She doesn't represent our childhood. Like this isn't okay. And I think that like, like in, in these very books, that's like, what's coming up. Like in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong in a lot of ways. Like they were the ones that were stalking and I, There her. were millennials too. Like it, it's not. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're millennials and we don't stand for it either, but it, it's just like, we definitely, it took us longer to even believe it. Like we were like, oh, right. we see some of this on the internet. What is this real? Like blah, blah, blah. And they were like, here are the receipts, X, Y, and Z, check out the Twitter. And then they knew before everyone <laughs> and they set us straight and it sucks that she sucks but I'm glad that she was outed as being terrible yeah and I mean there were people our age and we were still like in that younger generation like there were definitely people that we knew that like were saying this like long before I was willing to listen to it of course of course but um yeah yeah I just this whole intergenerational thing like just really hit me in this chapter and I think we see it so kind of beautifully on the wall here though um I mean I kind of hate saying that right after this whole JK Rowling thing but like gotta listen to the young people look if we know anything about she who must not be named it is that she can't uh practice what she preaches um I always forget that it's Snape that does the spell that knocks off George's ear. Every time it's told to me in the book, I read it like almost every year, this book. (laughs) And every time I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) 
I never forget. I do sometimes forget that it's Sectum Sempra. And I'm like, that's just like a knife in the stomach. I know. It, like, it's a twist. When Lupin just says it offhanded, like, oh, that's Sectum Sempra, one of Snape's favorites. And we're like, <laughs> we're like, ah! Oh my God. And Harry doesn't say anything. Oh, it's awful. It's terrible. You know, Albus Severus. Oof. All I'm going to say, he plays his part well, doesn't he? Doesn't he? A little too well. He could have killed George. And I, like, he gets a big pass for being like, I did that to George to, to like, help. <laughs> George is like, no thanks. Could have done without the help, but thanks. Like, thanks for having our back there. <laughs> thanks for having our ear there. Uh, on that, though, like, that's where I'm at now is Arthur and Fred coming in. And I'm just, like, maybe realizing in real time or not. But, like, they must have seen it happen because they know that George is injured when they come in. Like, they must have seen it all happen in the in the air and that's really sad to me and like scary. feeling helpless yeah um i like this little henny moment that we get harry and jenny yes <laughs> that's what i said you mean gary uh. <laughs> gary luna potter <laughs> Yeah, Jerry, Gary, however you want to Jerry. say Jerry! Jerry! <laughs> what is that from? Me. Just Molly. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a little Seinfeld, like Jerry, but... <laughs> but mostly just yours truly, I think. Holy. Say Get it. Say it. <laughs> Is his brain been addled? <laughs> we really needed this. Oh, we needed this little this little humor. Thanks, Forge. Okay, can we just put in the quote of this little Romione moment? Oh, when they can't like, when she won't let go of him, and it's just like. And he says always the tone of surprise. Oh, so good. So, so good. dreamy. Oh, my goodness. Yes, let's put it in. Oh, my goodness. Ron tripped dazedly toward Harry and Hermione. You're okay, he mumbled, before Hermione flew at him and hugged him tightly. I thought, I thought. I'm all right, said Ron, patting her on the back. I'm fine. Ron was great said Tonks warmly, relinquishing her hold on Lupin. Wonderful! Stunned one of the Death Eaters, straight to the head, and when you're aiming at a moving target from a flying broom... You did? said Hermione, gazing up at Ron with her arms still around his neck. Always the tone of surprise, he said a little grumpily, breaking free. It like, I, like, my cheeks started hurting listening to it. I just got so giddy. I love them so much. Um, I have right before that is this like paragraph, like this is the paragraph 
that like struck me the most. And it, again, it was like very unexpected. Um, it's, I'll, I'll put, I'll have Jim read it, but. Kingsley was striding backward and forward, glancing up at the sky every time he turned. Harry was reminded of Uncle Vernon pacing the living room a million years ago. Hagrid, Hermione and Lupin stood shoulder to shoulder, gazing upward in silence. None of them looked around when Harry and Ginny joined their silent vigil. The minutes stretched into what might as well have been years. The slightest breath of wind made them all jump and turn toward the whispering bush or tree in the hope that one of the missing order members might leap unscathed from its leaves. Like, for some reason, that paragraph, and I think in particular that word vigil, like, really just, like, I was, like, getting a little teary-eyed, like, reading that. Like, just, I think I was just really imagining them all, like, just that waiting for bad news almost like you think yeah. about like in a waiting room or like when you know like I don't know I just feel like there's been times like where I think a lot of families have been through this like where you're all like sitting together in like a living room or something like that and you're just mm -hmm. like waiting for like this bad news to come in almost like I don't know it's something about that like no it's chilling no you're totally right you know what gave me the same feeling which I think um the illustrator captured this moment really well that the little art that's at the top of this chapter where they're all like you can see the moon and there are mm -hmm. the sky and they're all just like yeah it's like silhouetted figures they're, like they're hooded. all just hooded yeah. they're all silhouetted just looking out into the distance waiting for something bad to happen and it it, it it's it gives me chills and 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 later um Harry uh, says he comes out of himself a little bit and he has that quote falling through the it felt like falling through the earth and, and having like the sadness or whatever yeah. the grief stuck with him forever and I was like oh my god <laughs> yeah and I, I think there's like this idea of like holding a vigil for like these missing people like even though it's been minutes since they were supposed to be here or like maybe an hour but it's just I don't know I, I can't even really put words to it but like it was just that's the moment where I was like man this chapter is hitting me in some type of way and like that doesn't even really like I'm not nothing specific is coming to mind there really it's just like I was no. just imagining especially Kingsley just going back and forth like looking up at the sky I felt it too. And the part that the worst part of this chapter for me isn't even when they say the story about Mad Eye. Mm -hmm. It's when they all go inside because they realize there's no one to wait yeah. for anymore. Like that, it like my heart sunk. I was like, oh my God. When they all like realize they've just been staring and they he's not yeah. coming so they don't have to look anymore so they just turn around and go inside without saying anything oh. I'm sitting there like oh my god that's why I meant like this chapter really surprised me because I knew I wasn't that sad about Mad Eye like I mm -hmm. like I, I think we've already kind of touched on that like so I knew like Mad Eye was gonna die and like yes it is sad but I'm not like like that's not the most devastating thing that happens mm -hmm. and 
So I was like really surprised by how much this chapter like kind of got to me, I guess. No, for sure. Um, but on a happier note, with the whole Ramayani stuff, I love the positive reinforcement that Tonks is giving. She's like, Ron did great. He did this. And I'm like, yes, thank you, Tonks, because no one else is giving out that. Like Nobody else is giving Ron the credit he deserves. Or anyone. I, maybe Kingsley said something about Hermione, but like, that was like very nice and like good because they all just busted their asses to kill or not kill, but, like, get past, like, 30 Death Eaters plus, maybe more. Like, if Mm -hmm. they each had about five on them. That's still very impressive. That's, like, 35. Fast math. (laughs) Plus Voldemort. Like, that's, like, 10. (laughs) 45. We're up to, like, 150. Fast math. 394. But it's a lot of Death Eaters, is my point. No, yes. Okay, I'm sad again. This part always gets to be when Harry thinks it's Hagrid who betrayed them. Oh, I had and one he tries, before that. And he tries to, like, cover it up. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just... <laughs> Actually, I think I have a couple before we get inside. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I just realized how long some of my notes. <laughs> One about, oh, I'm going back to the ear again because they're telling Ron, like, George, he's lost. And I'm like, it's not funny, but it is like a dark sense of humor. Like, that an ear, an ear is funny. Like, an to ear say is you funny. lost an ear is <laughs> it's funny like what did you say I didn't hear (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's just like of all the body parts it's like oh yeah I uh like there's nothing to me that's as funny like I lost a pinky toe like I I lost my nose well (laughs) and those would be worse yeah um so that was just one note about that we I know we already talked about the year thing. Um, and then when Bill, so when Bill describes like what happened with Moody, I was just thinking an, another movie moment. It would have been so fucking cool to see this uh, battle in like the form of like a superhero movie or something like that, where you see, especially I was thinking about Bill and Fleur, like, on this Thestral and they're both like back to back like hitting curses and like getting Mm -hmm. all of these like Death Eaters because it's like such a cool image and I feel like they could have done this scene like so much like more badass like battle than they did in the movie because as I was saying last episode like I don't even really remember that much of this um, part in the movie. I remember more of them getting back to the borough but. They definitely like move past it quickly and and a movie would have been the perfect um medium to really flesh out and see the fight because we don't get to see it really in the book yeah yeah like it just they're them all in the sky too it's like oh it's it's wild like the curses flying and like especially that beginning part where where mad eye does die and then they're like all springing into action like i don't know Mm -hmm. it would have just been really 
cool. Yeah, I I don't know why they didn't do that, especially since the seventh part one is such a slow movie. You would think they would want another place to do like a real battle scene. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, the movie like that. I don't mean to hate on like seven part one is my favorite of the movies. I personally, I adore it. I don't, I'm not hating on it. I don't um, need another battle scene, but this one, if they were going to add one, it would have been yeah really yeah cool. I'm not I'm not hating on the first one I just think that it would have been so cool it's, yeah especially what you're saying is like the second one is just a battle like that's the whole movie like it would have been kind of cool to see this in the first one okay I'm now I'm at the Hagrid stuff so I've caught up yeah just it just it is sad Harry thinking that it's Hagrid and like immediately coming to his defense it reminds me of our our early days of the podcast where we thought that um Harry Ron and Hermione shouldn't be like looking after this grown man as children I also don't like the implication that we're getting from she who must not be named that like that's like low-key fact here like I know it's just proven later with Mendungus but like we're led to believe that that is also what happens that Hagrid um did this and that's to me that's worse than Harry thinking it is that we think that. <laughs> well, we think it I mean I don't now I never think it again but, but the first time reading I'm sure I was like oh yeah I didn't even think about that wow Harry thank <laughs> I'm going to be honest, the first time I read this, I probably didn't even pick up on the fact that Harry was, like, hinting that it was probably Hagrid. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, I feel like the when I was listening to this for the first time as an adult, or reading it for the, sorry, reading it for the first time as an adult, that's when I really picked up on that, because... I remember it being like a, oh, I didn't even catch that before or something in this moment. I mean, I can't stress enough how little I comprehended the first time I read this book. I I just inhaled it. I like, I went, how how does it end is all I cared about. Right. I didn't even like, like who's dying. Like it was just, how does this end? And does Harry survive is all I really cared about. It's like a fever dream. Although some parts of it, I remember so clearly of the first time I, of me reading it, like the, in random scenes, just random scenes. Like I remember exactly what I was doing and how I felt when I read the scene about, um, when, when they're laying in a Grimmel place and Ron says, lay above me and then like their hands. I don't know what it was, something about that passage. I think it's because we had waited so long for Romione that that was one of like the big, big moments for me. And like, obviously we've talked about this before. Um, I remember exactly how it happened to me reading Tonks and Lupin dying because I missed it the first time. Same, and like, same. Um, so just like little random parts like it's all a fever dream and then there are very specific memory I know for sure that I I got it at the midnight release I think I stayed up till like two or three reading it and I fell asleep and then we were having a crab feast 
the next day. And I so Maryland. I, and it was like July. So it was like the summer. And I was like, that's how important crabs are to me. That I was like, I gotta take like an hour break. And I like went down and like had crabs and then like went back and finished it. But like I and we had like family over, like, and they all knew that I was reading it, but I was like, okay, I'm just gonna come down for a little bit. And I was trying not to tell anyone about what I had read so far because everyone, a lot of my family members read the books. Um, actually, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that, but like, like I said, or like a long time ago, like I didn't know that many friends that read it, but like all of my uncles like read it and like would Aww. talk about it. And like, they were the ones that took us to the movies for the first time was like um, two of my uncles were like very big into Harry Potter and they really liked reading them. Um, so like, it was harder not to say anything, I think, at that. And my mom and my sister were going to read it after me because we're, we're like, we only get one book. For the I could not have handled that. My brother didn't read them. But if I had to be the one waiting, it would not be good. Well, that's why they gave it to me first, because they knew I, <laughs> I was going to read it the fastest. And then, two, they knew I was like the most desperate to read to read it yeah um I DJ didn't read them but he watched the movies and when we were younger DJ is my brother we used to do um we used to do we'd be like you want to watch HP and then we'd like do a little marathon and so when I was reading the seventh one I um I told him everything as it was happening I was like guess what happened who did this who did he like I'm sure at that time was getting too old to care about me and my nerdiness yeah. He's younger, by the way, but he was always way cooler than me. <laughs> so, but um, I talked to my dad about it because he also liked watching the movies with us, but he never read it. Um, but yeah, I I was just so over the moon to be having this book and reading it. And I'm a slow reader, so I'm sure I just was like a little zombie for <laughs> 24 hours or however long it took me to read it. Like, technically, I was a fast reader as a kid, but, like, I'm saying, like, I wasn't comprehending, so, like, is that really reading? Like, yes, I was, like, maybe reading the words, but, like, I wasn't, like, taking in what I was reading whatsoever, so. Yeah. I, but I, I read it in, like, 20, 48 hours or something like that because I was just, like, vacuuming it up. Yeah. Um. But I remember getting to like the back at King's Cross or whatever that chapter is called and like really slowing down for that chapter because I was like, I got to What the fuck is happening? <laughs> yes, I think I slowed down for the rest of the book after Prince's Tale because Prince's Tale was my like, because oh, yeah. that's. It like for a lot of reasons, it probably still is, even though I've had my like come to Jesus moment about Snape. Um, so good. You get it's so one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole series. I've probably and, referenced that chapter more than anything else while we've been discussing it. I mean, I just, we both have. I just love that chapter so much. It's so well constructed. Um, and so at that chapter, I was like oh my god and that's when I think I started getting sad that the books were gonna be over so I think I slowed down reading from that point oh after because I was like I want to know what happens but also ah, there's not gonna be any more after this I don't think I came to that realization until literally the epilogue and I was like oh right it's the last one. Oh. oh no 
I I had that moment in the theater watching part two and it was to the point where I couldn't even cry at part two because I was so devastated that they were ending like I was literally shaking yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't physically cry I was just like so in shock that they were over that I was shaking in the theater oh and then I goodness. got home and cried oh that's so sad I don't think I thought about the movies like that so I never would have like associated that as much yeah I just think they were just such a big part of yeah the movies, I don't know. I, I just, I had such... I mean, it's definitely all part of that world. I just, I don't think I ever put as much of that value as I did on the books in the same way. And I know you obviously put more value on the books too, but like... No, yeah, I did. I had a, I had both of them when they were start, when I could feel them slipping away or ending, I, I definitely got extremely emotional. That's fine. Little did I know I'd be, um, almost 27, still going Harry Potter strong. So (laughs) there was no need to, (laughs) to worry. I mean, this may shock the listeners, but even as a young person wasn't super in tuned with my emotions my AP lit (laughs) class referred to me as jaded and broken I say you have a cold heart all the time you didn't cry at Marley and me I did cry at my sister's keeper though oh well thank god for that she has cancer (laughs) not well yeah but that's not the part I cried about um I know that that false I can't, I can't even go there right now Alex but um <laughs> I did I I just remember reading poetry in like our English class and I was like so I was also such like a wannabe feminist that I was like this is some fucking bullshit I of course I didn't say that but I was like this is some bs and this this woman doesn't love him or like she shouldn't love him because I, I just went to this whole thing and my teacher was like, who was a man, by the way, which I loved that, that he was like so into this poetry and stuff. But like, he was like, Molly, you're so jaded and broken. <laughs> <laughs> like he was just so upset that I was like, not about it. <laughs> every time you talk about high school Molly it makes so much sense why like we connected like instantly in college like it just makes so much sense to me that we found each other (laughs) I feel like I was the exact same way in high school but you're also much more like in tuned with your emotions than I am but but I I I'm hopeless want to be a- romantic and so are you. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm more of a hopeless romantic than you in some way. Right. So we we have we yeah. have the same things going because I also had that wannabe feminist edge. Like that, yeah. oh, that like it was an edge. It's an edge. It's <laughs> like we are feminists now as because we know how to like be educated and do that properly okay we didn't have the gen z TikTok and access <laughs> to the internet in the same way they are much better at being feminists than we were at that age um what a tangent harry don't be a hero that's my next note oh yeah 
Um, oh, wait, you're already there. Are you at him being like, I'm leaving? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm at, I, I thought I was, but my pin was, oh, I only have one note before that, though. I was just at, like, stating the obvious about Lupin. Another Lupin note, of course. Yeah, um, mine, that's my note. Okay, about, like, obviously he's so sensitive about betrayal. Like, and maybe it was, like, the first time noticing it this read-through, but, like, no wonder he's so upset because he, yeah. he is the most like traumatized most about the betrayal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I do think that the double sided James comment was a little oh, yeah. too much loop. But like, boy. that's what I mean. Like, I feel like he, he was super warranted and obviously Harry is too. It's like his fucking dad, but like, <laughs> it was just like, he didn't need to go there. Like Lupin could have made his point. Like Harry is like, I know you probably think I'm being ridiculous. And Lupin was like, no, you're being just like James. I think, Rude. I know. I think he needed to make that point because that's the only way Harry would. Harry is so stubborn that he yeah. wouldn't think about it unless he puts it in the context of like James. You know, I don't think that Harry is. I think Harry is uh, covering up for Hagrid, though. So Harry is not, Harry is, like, digging his heels in, not because he actually believes that no one could have possibly betrayed him, but because... Oh, but I do think Harry thinks that. Well, he thinks that Hagrid made the mistake of... I think Harry thinks that no one would ever betray him. But none of them did betray him. Hmm? None of them did betray him. I know, but, like, I think... Lupin is right to say that's exactly what James would have said. Yes, but Lupin is wrong. <laughs> Harry's right. No one did betray so him. James was wrong. Correct. It's so there's a lot of nuance. There. Like Harry's not wrong and Lupin's not wrong. I know. I just think Lupin yeah. could have said it differently. He did not like he said it like it was gonna be like this massive like compliment of like you have the same heart as your father. And he then he just left it there. Like it was <laughs> it was shady, is all I'm saying. I'm glad he said it because I wouldn't <laughs> have thought about it. Like I I didn't really connect it. Like I didn't think about Lupin being betrayed by one of his best friends and that his other best friend oh. died. Like, I really didn't think about it. No, yes. I, I want to be clear that, yes, Lupin is completely justified to feel the way he does. I'm really I'm just giving of Lupin in this chapter. I'm just giving him a hard time because he was, like, such... He was, again, sass queen strikes again. Like, nobody asked you to say it that way, Lupe. You're right, and... <laughs> I still feel and you stand by it. That's fine. <laughs> um, Harry is stepping into this leadership, and I was like, "Oh, intergenerational leadership moment." <laughs> are you? I feel like you're at your work, and Harry is like a student that you're proud. Of. <laughs> you're passing. I mean, don't you even like Dumbledore passed the torch to Harry? Like he is the voice of this younger generation. Mm-hmm. I think him making his little speech was so important. Me too. And I still agree with Lupin. <laughs> you're you're a woman who, with uh, complex and varying opinions, it is your privilege. <laughs> 
Oh God. No, wait, I didn't mean that like check. No, I know, but I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I meant it's a woman's privilege to have a a multifaceted and varied opinion. Now I'm at Harry, please don't be a hero. Like, please stop. You just made a great speech about how you should stick together and trust each other. And now you're going to try and run off. This boy can't quit. I was afraid you were going to be mad at me because I was like, I'm annoyed with Harry for playing this card. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm not mad at you. But, but, But I do think Harry brings up a good point inadvertently. What was the Order's long-term plan for him? Like, just stay at the borough. I mean, obviously, we. I'm. I'm going to get really upset with Molly in the next couple of chapters. Like, oh, he'll just go to school. Like, everything's fine. Which obviously, that's not going to happen. I don't think any of the order members think that's going to happen. But like, what is your plan? Like, they don't have. Like, the order has no plan, and like Dumbledore had a ish plan like oh we're gonna destroy these horcruxes i'm gonna end up dying but harry's gonna finish it but like until then just like keep doing you i don't i no comment but who's in charge i reiterate what you he is harry is slap but like who's in charge of the order at this point like kingsley yeah yeah that's that's kind of what i thought and like lupin is like vice president yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I was. I always do this to myself. I was like, I don't. I wonder why Lupin doesn't become, uh, an horror oh, no. after. <laughs> after this book, is that what you're thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I. He's I'm really busy. He's like doing other stuff. Don't worry. I block things questions. out. I seriously like the bad things. I just. <laughs> no, he's like super busy. Like, just don't even ask any more questions. No more him. questions. Ah! He's like, I know. I can't even. I can't even bring myself to make a joke about it. Oh my god. This scene in general with Harry reminds it's strong fifth book vibes. I had the exact same <laughs> note. I was like, how have we reverted all the way back to the fifth book, Harry? And I and we said this earlier, totally warranted. He's been everyone's been through an ordeal tonight. Emotions are high, like totally warranted. And in the fifth book, his emotions totally warranted. But this is fifth book vibes. <laughs> Harry, Harry, Harry. My main man, Harry. What I a mess. have another note about Lupin. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Um, just, he he says to Bill, like, we have more work to do. And they, like, go and get Mad-Eye, or try and find Mad-Eye's body. But, like, Lupin is just the constant warrior. That's why, I, actually, that's why I use that term. And I think you used it, too, like, in... um in my haiku like obviously mad eye without question is a warrior but like lupin i mean thinking about these individuals that have lived through the first war and are now fighting again in the second war like it it's it's hard it's devastating devastating exactly yeah i mean 
it's just the parallels to what's happening today with like civil rights. It's like clearly that fight never ended, but there are definite like spikes in like these massive movements. And it's like these individuals that were around in sixties and now are still the same rhetoric. It's just over and over again. It's just, it's, well, it's that's devastating. to say, to bring it full circle to what you were saying earlier in this episode, um, that's why we, we need a mixture of the old, and, older generation and yeah. the younger generation to relight that fire again so that it like doesn't go out and the fight keeps going. The old generation is tired. They are tired and they should be because they worked hard. Like, <laughs> it's awful. And like... And it's still, like, not that it's nothing has happened since then, but, like, it's, like, wh- where should we be versus where we are? Like, and mm-hmm. same, I mean, just to kind of bring it more back to this book, it, just, it feels like, why did we lose all of those people during the, like, what to what end, I guess? Like. Mm, Molly. Oh, I know. This intergenerational stuff. <laughs> This panelist was really <laughs> Molly. <laughs> oh no. This chapter. And it's also a really long chapter. It's in like it's multiple very months. long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we get like the Tonks part, the everyone returning part, and then this like post chat part, which I did not enjoy this post chat part as much. Oh, you mean the talk back after yeah no I wasn't here you weren't here for the talk back how did you feel about um this Ollivander part that we got no hold on let me see oh I didn't actually have like a specific line about the Ollivander stuff or a note what did you think about it I just said it was hard to listen to this like little torture moment it's rough it's rough that's Oliver, my love. Jim Dale doing Ollivander's voices. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. It yeah. Like, I was like, wow, we really it ended it off. Nope, um, that matches the rest of the chapter, I'd say. <laughs> my last night was really on Hermione's line, which I think was really poignant, where she was like, he's taking over the wizarding world. Like, don't let him take over your head him take over your mind yeah yeah mm-hmm. I in like I know we like Harry is very confident that like this is different and like it's good that he's seen it which I do ultimately agree with Harry but I I think that Hermione's point is very point yeah I can't no other word comes to mind but like <laughs> yeah let me just repeat my lines <laughs> No, no, exactly. I, I mean, I think it's a really great, a great line for her and a little zinger. She, I mean, it gets her point across. This is how I wish Lupin had said the thing about Zane. I mean, Zane. James. <laughs> James. Yeah. Why did I say Zane? This is, I don't like, know how. I feel like I know we're how going in one direction and then. Wow. Wow. A plus, A plus content. Wow. Your ear, you know. End of podcast. We can't beat that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do think that Lupin has given up on tact. (laughs) Correct. 
taking a leaf out of Ryan's book, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> Who was your champity, dampity? Um, probably not surprising you, but it was Lupin. I was feeling really. Well, I was just the he he is like number one warrior right now to me. Like he is yeah. really fighting the hard fight. I think fighting the good fight, like hard fight. Yeah. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to correct you. <laughs> no, like I just think Harry is doing the good fighting fight. the good fight, and he's yeah. fighting the hard. No, That's no, no, the no, only I got reason you. I was like, <laughs> I got <laughs> you. No, no, no! It, I'm glad that you, you clarified because I, um, my I gym- don't necessarily agree with Lupin, but I like appreciate him so much in this moment. I guess yes. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, my champ is Ron. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was like Ron or Mad Eye, but Mad Eye didn't really do anything, yeah. so. I like last minute changed it to Ron because I'm proud of him. Yeah, Tonks said. <laughs> Tonks ta- said that he did some beautiful work out there and I'm proud of him. And he had a fun little joke. Always the tone of surprise. Always the tone of surprise. Great joke. Solid joke. Also, Lupin did save George's life too, so. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. I just remembered that whole plot. Wait. <laughs> there was a lot happening in this a lot happening who was your rat uh dung some mundungus some fletcher yeah for sure um what about your points i gave it 155 points yeah i went high i said 185 yeah, that's what I meant by my 155. I don't really know what that, I don't know. I feel like we have the we same. We knew it was high. Yeah. <laughs> We're like anything over 150. Anything over 150 is good. Yeah, like it's a solid chapter. <laughs> we had so much to chit chat about. Um, did you have a tattoo idea? Um, no. My only idea was, and we didn't even really touch on it, but was the whole thing about Harry's wand acting of its own accord. So I said the gold um, flames that come out of his wand. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Which I don't know if we wanted to talk about that at all. Now that that's... um, I I did... Well, I guess my only note to that, I'll just answer my own question. (laughs) (laughs) Um... That I liked what he said, like Dumbledore would have believed me and would have been able to give me an answer. And I was like, so true. <laughs> so true and so sad. Yeah. Every everyone else dismisses him. Yeah. Dumbledore believed in a younger generation. I mean, <laughs> yes, you said that earlier. So <sighs> any other thoughts on this? No, but that was like a that was a good solid chapter. Really good. Ooh. It gave me lots to think about. But you know, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but if you had thought back about this book, would you have even like really pointed to this chapter? No. Like I, it's definitely memorable. Like them all like with the fire whiskey and like waiting, like that mm-hmm. that stuff is memorable. But I wouldn't have thought that it was, like, one of the most impactful chapters. No, me either. But it, like, it was, it was, 
looking at it as an adult and going through our own little battle right now it does it's obviously not I don't mean to like compare the two but it, I did multiple times <laughs> but you know it's we're going through a lot right now so I think and we're just older we're adults we're aging into the adult category like we're the same age Bill and Fleur are yeah you know so it it feels a little feels a little different yeah that's it I think identifying with Bill and Fleur is is interesting because they are like that perfect in between they're not as naive as Harry and Ron and Hermione but they're also not as jaded as like Mm -hmm. right um yeah, this it's a weird position to be in because it's like we're we're obviously gonna fight, but like, who who are we with really? Which side are we on? Are yeah. we sitting at the big kids table? I don't feel like that. No, me either. <laughs> Honestly, if I'm if I'm being real honest, I I know we're the age of Bill and Fleur, but I feel like I identify the most with Fred and George, like. I'm an adult, but I'm sitting at the kids' table. I'm still having a good time. <laughs> if I mean really honest, I feel like I'm identifying with Ron, where it's like, I want to be part of this, but I just don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll fight, I'll do whatever, but like, just point me where. <laughs> Give me clear instructions. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being very honest. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. All what right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Please stay magical. Charmed, I'm sure. Mischief managed. Bum, 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 bum.